0: QLT was actually founded by my professor, Dr. Uh, Julia Levy, and she, I was in my third year in immunology, and she spoke about, in our last lecture, she spoke about the compound that we're going to be using, uh, you know, to to move forward with, and I was totally mesmerized by it. And when, as soon as it went public, I bought some stock. that was my first investment, and (laughs) And then, made some money, uh, and and then followed by uh, Inex, which is the uh, Dr. Karis's uh, the the liposome technology, which he gave a lecture on as well in my third year uh, biochemistry, and I was again mesmerized by that. And I'm going, okay, this is something cool. I think there's a future. He was ahead of me. he was ahead of the times, you know. And I said, this ha- has a place somewhere. And it won't happen. We will one day use eposomes to package, you know, and target, uh, uh, it will be used for its target therapy somehow.
1: HIV research to health tech? My name is Jeff, and this is How It's Med's MedTech Talks. This time, we rejoin a conversation with Nina Volani and learn more about how she turned her career into one which focused on HIV research to one in which she supports budding new health tech companies to much success let's get started Mm -hmm. it seems like the operation side of setting up a lab and managing it was actually a bit of a crossover with the work that you ended up doing um at least in part uh with the metal fabrication company so that that that's certainly a really interesting i guess takeaway but how did you go from metal fabrication to what you do now? Like where, where was that jump? Because now you had the like lab slash like biology um science experience. And then you also had the business skill set and a track record uh to boot as well, turning a failing company to profitability. So when did you decide to, you know, kind of mash those two together into one amazing thing? with which you built, I guess, your career, which you're still doing now?
0: Well, I, I still miss the science side of things. And hmm. I kind of thought, okay, you know what? I, 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 at that time, biotechnology um, was moving in, in British Columbia uh, in 1990s. And I, I kind of felt there was a gap for, you know, from spin-offs, uh, from startups and get and getting that business side of things into it. So to basically uh, you know, look at companies in uh scientific companies with scientific knowledge as well as the business knowledge to see whether this this has a market need or not. Uh and and you know I, I thought that would be really interesting to amalgamate those two, you know, the the science and the business side, to then try and uh Uh, if that's a right fit. So I, you know, I started to go into brokerage houses and you know that, that if you need any assessments to be done on companies, you know, if you're going to be funding them, um, I would like to give it a go. And I had other two friends who were also in the same position as I was. Uh, You know, they just were not happy where they were working in the lab. They wanted to do something more meaningful in their life. So, you know, I said, you know, I think I can bring the business side to the science and if you can help me with uh, writing and report, right, you know, reports and all that. And so three of us started a company uh, and we did, a cons- we did consulting. Uh, and, and through the consulting, I found that there was also a need for money. Uh, these companies were, some of them were falling through the, you know, the value of debt. You know, they, they had the good science, uh, they did, they lacked that necessary to pivot or to get extra money. You know, they would get some funding grants and all that, but then you have to move forward with it. So then we came up with an idea. I had met other friends who wanted to start a venture company called Building Biotech, uh, and, uh, it was a venture company. And so I got some friends interested in investing in that venture. I did, and I was a treasurer and CFO of that company. Uh, And we started, we had one huge, our first, uh, our first win was Espriva Pharmaceuticals, uh, which I intimately knew that company because I knew what it was all about. We had worked on that company prior Uh, and uh, we put together a market assessment and we thought it was worth, it was worth, you know, Funding that company, so we believed in it. Uh, and uh, Richard Richard Glickman was the one who approached me at that point. If I, you know, if I could put a team together to do this, uh, to mar- do the market as I did. And that was followed by me building a venture company. and We said, you know, they were looking for funding, and I said, hey, you know what? We we can put some funding into that. More people came in because I wanted to invest in Nestle and so through that, uh, you know, we built that venture company, we invested other companies as well. And uh, and some of them did fall to the value of that. Espritva did not. And so we had a huge win there. I did that, you know, went into my th- second, third, fourth venture companies, yeah. So we, we've got some, <laughs> we got some unicorns through that. Mm-hmm. Because I, you know, I kind of have to look at, a particular company and see if it's got something very unique about the company with the, in the frontiers of science, it's got a really to pivot. Does it have, like, you know, I am a scientist by background, but I also would look at it from a business point of view, whether there is a mar- market for such a, you know, for such a technology and how, the, you know, and, and also assessing the whole, basically the team and everything uh, and put it together. And so that's how, yeah, I, I enjoy that. That's just, that's just my passion yeah. to help with startups. Yeah.
1: I, I can tell that it's your passion. You're speaking very passionately about it. Um, And it seems like you got really far with it, but like, as you went on, I, I've had so many questions pop in my head. So I'll ask them to you in kind of a rapid fire succession. You had mentioned earlier on in what you were saying um, that uh, you had tried to find or that you found people in a similar position to you with a background uh, in, uh, I guess, biology, life sciences, in academic setting who were dissatisfied. Was that common back then? Yeah.
0: Yeah, it was. And all the women, all the people they worked working my team were women. Mm-hmm. It was only two men and the four or five of them were women. They were, and, yeah. Yeah, it was crazy. It was crazy. Well,
1: <laughs> what was the dissatisfaction? Like, I mean, I, I understand the the impact that you can make in life sciences is great because if you create something and it does scale, then you're able to help with the health of millions of people. But what was their dissatisfaction? What and was it a shared satisfaction between the whole team?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think we we were all very, very passionate about the science, very passionate okay. about moving the startups forward, helping consulting. Um and we we kind of like when we were doing the consulting part, I had a lot of women that I still keep in touch with mm-hmm. uh, who have moved moved forward in, in the academia but working on on, on the on, on like the business side of academia. And uh they and you know, they they found they could not work in the lab because there were women. They just didn't have it. <clears throat> there were just some token women there. And, and the spots were taken and those women had to guard the positions because they were only like, you know, they, they cannot afford to, to have another woman come up the ranks. So often we, I found positions, which is so unfortunate that, you know, if there are a few token women, they're taken for a long time. So there is a glass ceiling and, and they will not, I always I see that there's more men than women when it comes to higher positions in the science world. Wow. And it's still going on. Oh, we are kind of still in an evolutionary process here. I think women are, you know, very, um, you know, they, 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 they're just, they have just a similar dedication as men do. And, you know, they're nurturing, they are there. They, wanna, they want the science to do well. And they, they are there to make a difference. Mm-hmm. So I felt these women who had that, they wanted to make a difference. And we all worked very hard. We all came with different strengths. You know, one of them would be an extremely good scientific writer. One of them would be a very good judge of, you know, editing. One would be good at judge of numbers. One would be good at judging, you know, trying to pick up all the scientific papers and go through them. We were going through case histories and everything we needed to for, for the set. But we were doing work outside the lab. Moving the science forward—that's what we were doing—is moving the science forward.
1: That makes sense, Um, and I mean, from there, I understand that the meaning that you guys found was in moving the science forward so that it could be deployed in the field, not just in the lab. Exactly. In that you have to answer the question, what is the valley of death? Because that's what you're trying to traverse. And that's what you've mentioned several times in your, in your previous little spiel.
0: Yeah. So I, I find that a lot of times like there are companies, you know, that do get the grants, they do get, they come out of the, the they, it's not as bad as it used to be, but it, it can get there even now, because especially the environment that we are in right now with all the markets all dropping and everything, but basically, you know, they get the grants, they, they, they get ahead. Um, angels put in a lot of risk money in it, and so do uh, certain venture uh, early startup ventures as well. Ventures as well putting the money in, uh, and and then at that point, there's a gap between that and the, the VC financing, and they need to line themselves up with companies that are going to come. And support them on the next round, and there are ways to do that. You have to put, you know, you have to coach. Even at these startups, we tend want to coach the companies. Don't put your values too high, so because, you know, you don't want to da- down, you know, like a down route, All these things, right? You got to be really careful how you move yourself up, who you surround yourself with, and all that. Um, it's really, really crucial. So, you know, a lot of, I think that the important thing is we don't just do, um, you know, I I do invest, you know, we do invest in it, but we also make sure that they're surrounded by uh, directors, by board members who have these strengths that, that they make them, you know, make that leap and they don't fall to the belly of death. So they have to really line themselves well. Uh, so all that really counts. Um, a lot of startups go in there and they have really good technology. Believe me, they do. Uh, and you see them fall. And it's really sad to see that fall. And you, and years later, they do come back. They get recycled. But the initial investments last.
1: I guess my question to tack on to that is you, you've set, you framed this in a financing standpoint. So Initially, companies get grants when they have good technology, and the problem that you were trying to solve was bridging that valley of death between the initial grants and the venture capital funding. But behind the scenes, apart from the financing, what needed to be done so that a company could be deemed perhaps moved on from the grants and ready for venture investment?
0: So you basically have to... um... You know, you have to make sure they go to the proper route where you know that would be the, the friends and family money at risk. Mm-hmm. Then they go into the the startup ventures, you know, the, like the VCCs, uh, and then the other startup co- companies that that support you. You also have to make sure you don't invite those ventures who are actually, you know, going to take advantage of you, yeah, and like, buy you out completely. So I I have actually saved <laughs> almost saved one company from getting there. And I've seen some companies go through that. They get so desperate for money that they get bought out by uh, companies that uh, they, they do take advantage and take them public too early. And then mm-hmm. it's like a puff and dump situation. A lot of that happened mm-hmm. in the past. Uh, and uh, so you want to make sure that you 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 guard them, uh, you mentor them, you make sure that you know that they, they they invite the directors that are gonna who have done it before. Uh, who are serial starters um so money is important, but so are who you surround with uh you know you make sure that they what their weak points are you know that those directors come in and bring them that those with them, the advisors so all that has to happen um and then basically they all have to you know let's be working directors in the beginning mm-hmm. for example right and and and, and works with the company so the company can support itself. But again, the, the VCC funding is really important. I know a lot of, lot of, a lot of the angels, like I find that a lot of VCs look down upon angels and they are really angels. These are the people who support them at the start. They put in the risk money, right? And and this is what I think they should they have to be respected. That's what where I come in. I'm an angel investor. I'm part of businesses that I have created. So I I kind of feel that you know it's risk money. I do my due diligence, and it's still not hundred percent. But I have a lot of faith in the company. A lot of faith in the team. Uh, you know. And we advise whenever we can. We try and help those companies whenever we can. That's, hey, you know what? I think this is how you should go about it or that, you know? And we try and hope that the CEO and, and the executives are coachable. So we also bring in the expertise that way. We bring advice uh, along with the money. And you hope, you know, and they, and there they are a lot of, you know, you, you, the university, and there has been a lot of other uh, ventures that have come in and the start of financing happening to the government, to the federal government, the provincial governments that have come in now and trying to prevent that value of death. Uh, And I hope they keep funding it because that's really an important key step. I mean, we can come in just so far and it is expensive to move a company forward. Mm. So that gap, So that gap has to be filled in and non-dilutive funding from the governments.
1: Mm -hmm. So from what I'm hearing from you, uh, between the grant funding stage and the venture capital stage is where angels come in to help bridge the valley of death by providing, uh, I guess, support and mentorship, uh, as well as perhaps connections to the people who will help build out the team and help advance the technology. And marketability of the company to an extent that it is viable for venture capital funding but there are no discrete criteria because each company is different
0: yeah each company is different for sure and there's some companies start making revenue very early and you want to make sure that if that's the way the route that they're going to take they can start doing that first so they're self-sustaining and then they can build the company you know on like you know have a pipeline. It's really important to build your pipeline so that when you ha- one one falls off the table, the second one's on. And I often find that with companies that the first one may not work, or you may have to optimize a particular molecule, or you know, so you basically you know goes into a back burner. Uh, you know, you have another the next one to work with. Uh, so, you know, they have, there has to be a pipeline. You can't be a one product company. There have been one product companies that have been very successful. And a very a good example is QLT, was, you know, pharmaceuticals, the first one. Um, and, and that one was quite an amazing company. So that was what really brought VC to, uh, to the, the, that's when, I think I would say that was the company that introduced VC to bi- biotechnology. Was uh, was QLT, and uh, and that was a one product company. But they also had other products in the pipeline as well. But then once you have a better product coming to the market, you better be ready to then have your next product go forward.
1: So I I, I do want to go back to talk about representation in the startup world because we haven't necessarily talked about that just quite yet. But you mentioned QLT. And I think just that bringing BC onto the map and your knowledge of it, if you could tell us the story of it, just really quickly, perhaps like three minutes, like that'd be really appreciated because I think illustrating how that turned successfully could be a good case study for some of the listeners.
0: Yeah, so PFT was actually founded by my professor, Dr. Julia Levy, and she. I was in my third year in immunology and she spoke about, in our last lecture, she spoke about the compound that we're gonna be using uh, you know, to, to move forward with, and I was totally mesmerized by it. And when as soon as it went public, I bought some stock. That was my first investment, and and I made some money. Uh, and and then followed by uh, Inex, which is the uh, Dr. Carlesis, uh the the liposome technology, which he gave a lecture on as well in my third year uh, biochemistry. And I was again, mesmerized by that. And I'm going, okay, this is something cool. I think there's a future. it was ahead of me, you was ahead of the times, you know? And I said, this ha- has a place somewhere and it will happen. We will one day use liposomes to package, you know, and target, uh, uh, it will be used for its target therapy somehow.
1: Oh, I see it happening and, everywhere.
0: Everywhere now, yeah, but that was 40 years ago. 40 years ago, I invested in that, in IPO level, yeah. Not a long time ago. Yeah. That tells you my age. <laughs> and so that was my second investment. So yeah, both of them were winners. And I thought, well, that was my startup. Um, yeah. That, that's And those two professors are both amazing, right? They have won awards. They're globally recognized for the technologies they have, you know, and, and yeah. It was like, for me, it was like, I, I was in love with startups
1: hmm And how did QLT- uh, Kiel-
0: Indirectly, indirectly. I wasn't in the in there in the lab, but I, I invested. I an inv- as an investor, that was my exposure.
1: Totally. But how did you see KLT grow? Because you mentioned that they managed to have several, I guess, candidates in the pipeline. And I just wanted to understand what you saw of that and what your takeaway would be for perhaps some fledgling pharmaceutical companies here in British Columbia or otherwise.
0: So I guess that some of the, 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 some of the compounds they had in pipelines, we did not, did not materialize within QLT, but you know, they were moving them forward. And then there was, um, another uh, company called Velocor that took over one of the compounds, okay. uh, from the pipelines and was able to spin out, uh, and we invested in that compound, <laughs> we, I mean, not in that company, Velocor, mm-hmm. uh, and, uh, and, 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 Then Wattier was the CEO of Velocor and it was an interesting compound. Uh, It was a dermatology compound and uh, yeah, we invested in it. And uh, Dr. Gilele was part of that as well. So, and it was a unicorn within two years. Our BCC made money on the second BCC, third BCC made money on it. Yeah. So that was a unicorn. Um, Yeah. And it was a startup. Yeah.
1: Mm -hmm. And it was bought out by
0: Darmira. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So the takeaway there is like uh, perhaps some pharmaceutical companies need to have multiple uh, candidates in the pipeline uh, so that they're able to be mobile in terms of how they deploy them or develop them. But Yeah.
0: Yeah. True. Very true. You have to have a plan B.
1: (laughs) Sorry. You said, yeah, but so what were you going to say there? Because I interrupted you rudely.
0: You know, they they do have like the, uh, the beachhead market or they do have something they're going forward with first. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have to understand the technology they have. Either they, either that one technology is what they can be applied to several different te- different ways. Uh, to uh, you know that that would be their plan with one technology. If it doesn't work in this tech in this field, can it be applied in different fields? Or could it be different compounds or different technologies uh, that can be applied in different fields? So you have to know what plan they have, that they have to be ready to pivot. Yeah.
1: That makes sense. And to kind of close off this conversation, we talked a little bit about like how a glass ceiling in research resulted in your departure from that field. And also in finding the people who helped spark your career uh, in the startup realm. So do you find that representation is different or the issues of representation are different in the startup world, um, or are there similar issues?
0: So I think in a startup world, we don't see as many women still. We do see them. Um, and I'm finding that a lot of um, companies are now starting to, you know, trying to have special funding for women uh, because they wanna encourage women to come forward.
1: Mm-hmm. If they
0: have, a, you know, because, you know, it's it's, I think women, were of, of. I found that often when I went into meetings, I found there was way more women, sorry, way, sorry, way more men than women in a, in a, in a meeting or even in AGM uh, or, you know, there were way more companies being started by men, uh, way le- less for, with women. Uh, and now I'm finding more and more women are coming forward with ideas. And there is also funding available to women. They I mean, they are put in a special category where they can compete, uh, for funding, uh, which I think is good in a way because, you know, it's not that, you know, they, they are, you know, they're not competing with men. Uh, and there's a majority of them out there. So I, I think they're trying to level, level the playing field, uh, but I think we also have to be open to when we're investing. We're investing in the people, not in the gender. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. We, have, we also have to make sure that we are investing in diversity. You know, a company, when it's diverse, uh, the culture is diverse in the company itself. The leader is that encourage, somebody who encourages that, that company performs better. There's statistics that tell you that companies with, di- with diversity, with gender diversity, with cultural diversity. They perform better,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and they bring every they they, there's a, they bring something different to the table, and everybody's heard they they somehow fill the gaps. Mm-hmm. So for me, I find that I I always am drawn towards companies that are more diverse,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and definitely. It, if it's a woman who's a CEO, it won't deter me from investing.
1: Mm-hmm. So I think to, to rephrase what you're saying, correct me if I'm wrong, like for you, having a woman founder doesn't necessarily uh, deter you, uh, but you're still looking for the same, I guess, grit as well as coachability and capabilities uh, so that the startup can succeed. And what you're hoping to do is to ensure that those women who want to be founders have the roads to do so, and don't feel discouraged by the i guess i guess by a lack of representation so far um so that we don't lose talent in the startup field
0: exactly. We have a lot of talented women uh, as well, i mean just as many as men's you know you know what I mean the proportionate about mm-hmm. uh, you know they're there, they are bright, they are dedicated and and you know they have a nurturing nature, they honestly are very dedicated. Uh, they believe in themselves and I think they need to be, you know, given a voice. They need to be heard mm-hmm. more. Yeah. That's what I, I believe because that's what I had to do. I voiced myself. I, mm-hmm. I tried to rise to the vision whenever I could.
1: Definitely. And before we head off, I guess, are there any pluggables you'd like to plug? Any websites, any things that you're working on that you'd like to mention?
0: So I write down director. I hardly take directorships and companies, but I'm a director in a company that's, uh, it's called WorkSell. And the CEO is is, is a uh, woman, and uh, it's Dr. Carolina Valente. An amazing, amazing person. Uh, I was totally blown away by her, you know, her passion for what she's doing. And and I, I'm i really excited to be a director in that company. And it's it's nice to see, uh have the company is diverse. Uh, we have women in there working uh, as well uh, as we are growing, and uh, we have great advisors and directors. It's, it's a very diverse uh, culture, and and I and I really am excited about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I've taken a look at box stuff, and they're certainly very interesting. But thank you for coming on. Uh, Nina, I really appreciate it. Um, and you can find out more about How It's Med at howitsmed.com as well as uh, on Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time.
0: All right, thank you.
1: Thank you for tuning in to this episode of How It's Med. If you liked what you heard, the best way to support us is to go to your podcast platform, be it Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, whatever you like and to give us a rating and a recommendation or a comment so that others can best find us. If you can't do that, then we'd really appreciate it if you could share your favorite episode with those that you care about and who you think would find our work interesting. Till next time.